0: Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett.
1: All businesses want their customers to have a great experience. Many companies know how to sell but struggle keeping up the relationship after the sale. Well, today's guest helps companies keep an eye on the entire sales cycle while keeping customers coming back. Katrina Gosick is the vice president of Product Strategy Sales Portfolio for Oracle Advertising and Customer Experience. She helps organizations of all sizes sell and deliver a memorable customer experience. Katrina, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlitt.
2: Hey, Jeffrey, thanks for having me.
1: It's a cliche about how the pandemic changed everything, but it has, and especially sales, how has sales changed in the virtual world?
2: Just listening to your introduction, and it's it's very similar to what you're trying to recreate in that Friday uh, celebrate event. We've all been looking for ways to recreate in a virtual environment all those personal interactions, meeting in the pub, having a coffee, high fives in the hallway. Sellers have really had to adapt a lot <laughs> over the last uh, 18 months um, and find ways to recreate those personal relationships because so much of selling, I mean, you have to admit it, is about one-to-one relationships. So figuring out how to use Zoom uh, in a way that helps people connect better. One interesting thing too has been, you know, seeing people je- balance their their home life with their work life. So. Yeah. You know, maybe where before you would have gone out to a steak dinner. Now with a client, you know, you're seeing the inside of their house and maybe (laughs) seeing their kids, you know, run by uh, in the in the background. So, virtual environment. I mean, it's definitely changed a lot. It's hard to meet people face to face, but I think if you figured it out, it's given you a lot of advantages because you it's a lot more. Personal in a lot of ways, believe it or not, uh, over the last eighteen months, because we're inside each other's homes in a lot of cases. So,
1: well, it is more personal, and we've actually gotten more tolerant of a lot of different things. The way that said, barking you know, dogs, look,
2: yeah. Uh, I was talking <laughs>
1: with a, a woman, a executive, and she had her child walk naked right behind her.
2: Oh <laughs> my word! Just, <laughs>
1: just one of those things that you have to happen, but it's okay. It's all it's about life, and I think that's okay to make us a little bit more personal. Has the sales cycle changed, you know, the consideration, look, you know, the various aspects that we see in the sales cycle?
2: Absolutely. Just as interactions have changed, everything's virtual. Buyers are spending a lot more time now looking for information online. Even before the pandemic, I think a B2B buyer, a B2C buyer did a lot more research before they met with a sales rep or entered a, a show floor. But that has just accelerated there's so much more information online now, um, and smart companies are making it a lot more available. You know, whether it's new types of video content or better customer stories online or better interactive sites so that it's easier for customers to find information about their products. Um, but that also means that the sellers have to get more educated on what the company offers because your buyer is coming to you already knowing the insides and out and sometimes more than you do. Um, so, you know, as a seller, you have to learn how to ramp up and be relevant uh, much more kind of in the middle of the funnel, let's say, whereas before maybe that funnel, part of the the experience was actually helping your your buyer learn a little bit more. Now they're coming to you, expecting you to be more of an expert than they are. <laughs> so...
1: You mentioned stories, and I keep talking about what I call the brand of you, and that content is such a big play of it. And we've Mm -hmm. really shown that in the C suite because we help so many companies with their content, either with podcasts or TV shows or articles or, you know, or being on shows. What have you learned about business and customer behavior over the last year and a half? Is it around this content or is it in other areas?
2: I think diversity of content, meaning formats and Types of information you're sharing is so important because if you just keep doing the same thing you were doing pre pandemic, people are getting bored and they're exhausted with just the amount of Zoom they're on for most of us, right? So maybe they don't want to attend an hour long uh, webinar, uh, even if it has a customer or analyst on it. I think content needs to be shorter, more to the point, more consumable, and they're looking a lot more, our customers especially are looking a lot more for stories about customers like them who have had success using our products or partnering with us. Um, So there's two things, diversity of content and formats, everything from video to podcasts like this one, to live casting, simulcasting, and really connecting with more personal stories about the company or about the people who use your products.
1: Yeah. And a brand is nothing but a promise delivered. And it's always talking about those real promises being delivered. The other thing is subscriptions have become a way of life for B2C, but we're also seeing a trend in the B2B space, I believe we are. And are we seeing the end of ownership?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. That has also accelerated in the same way that you saw that real bump in e-commerce last year, both for B2C and B2B, You know, as companies try to connect and put goods out more in a digital format. We're seeing a lot more interest uh, in subscription business models from businesses you wouldn't necessarily think of as uh, subscription businesses. So, industrial and high tech manufacturers um, who are adding things like telemetry to things like cranes. Uh, you know, mm. not necessarily selling the crane, but selling access to the crane and how much you use it. Or engines. You know, not necessarily selling the engine or the tires, but adding subscription services around them that allow you to access access it via a usage model versus a outright purchase model and i think to the earlier question you asked that that maps a lot better to the way their customers want to buy not necessarily taking capital expenditures but making their expenditures more operational so not having to shell out you know millions of dollars up front but the ability to spend that over time that actually maps really well for the B2B business, but then also for the B2B customer as well. So tons of advantages and really interesting business models we're seeing in unexpected B2B areas for sure.
1: Well, you were talking subscriptions. I want to come back to that in just a minute. But before we do that, I need to talk advertising and we want to go out to this message for just a moment and
0: we'll be right back. C-Suite Radio.
1: Today, I'm talking with Katrina Gosik. She's the Vice President of Product Strategy Sales Portfolio for Oracle Advertising and Customer Experience. And right now we're talking about the changing sales cycle and everything around it. We were talking a little bit before the break about subscription models. So with the subscription model, companies collect a ton of data. How can they put that data to good use to help the customer?
2: Subscription business models fundamentally change everything about a business. Where before the sales people were front and center, for managing customer success and the relationship, when you have a subscription business model in place, you want those customers to renew. You want to retain them. It's so much more important. You want them to buy more services or other subscriptions for you or upsell them to more usage. So everybody in the business, from marketing to finance to service is involved in that customer relationship. And so that brings me back to the question you asked about data, which is you need everyone in that relationship to have a lot of data so that they can serve the customer in the best way. You know, where is that customer? What industry are they in? Um, How have they engaged with you in the past? What do they own? What is their online behavior? Are they looking for other products? Are they related to other businesses in your portfolio? So the subscriber lifecycle of data affects the entire business and everybody has to have access to it so that you can see the real-time behavior of customers, but then also the lifetime of data that helps you make decisions about how to better serve them. So it's data is incredibly important across advertising and customer experience. But when you're rolling out a subscription business model, it's just the lifeline to success.
1: What do you see as mistakes? I guess the biggest mistake I see around data is that we just don't use it. Like when I was a frequent flyer for one airline and switched to the other, they should have set off red or alarms because I was flying every single day. You know, I was a five million mile at this airline, did hundreds of thousands of miles a year just on that one and the same on other ones. But yet no one ever picked up the phone and said, Hey, you stop flying on us. Why don't you come back? All they had to do was check the data, right? So I, I find that to be a big, huge mistake for a lot of companies. And maybe the other one I see. Katrina, you maybe you can shed something on this, is behavioral activity. Like, if I can see that a customer's interested in a particular product or service, they keep coming back. Well, maybe they're interested. I should be talking to them about those things ongoing. What, what do you see as some problems with data?
2: Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Jeff. What you pointed out there, either, you know, you are a frequent flyer. Remember those days. <laughs> um,
1: hey, I'm back. <laughs> I'm doing it again. I, I, I've been on the, on the road for an entire month. Uh, nice. just got back and heading back out again, so it's it's coming back.
2: that's great, yeah, I'm actually on a plane for the first time uh, next week,
0: <laughs> so oh, I'm wow. excited
2: if uh business notices you were once you know premium member with them, all of a sudden you stopped interacting with them, and they do nothing about it. That is a huge miss, but it goes back to that data, right? Somebody in the marketing department doesn't have the same information as somebody in the service department you know it, that it all goes back to not having the same view of the customer either in real time or over the lifetime of the interaction that you had with the, with the brand. And that's what we help customers do is connect that data and give you a unified view across all of those different departments that touch customer experience. It's absolutely critical.
1: Now, back when I was at my Kodak days, I grabbed someone and said, you're my chief data architect, because we had all this data and all these silos. And yeah, I could be chastising a customer for not spending enough and we're going to cancel their account on one hand, yet here they were buying a camera, a printer, or something else on the on the other hand, yet I didn't connect those two. So it was important for me to do it. How are you doing that? How are you helping them pulling that together?
2: Yeah. Well you can in a compliant <laughs> and a safe way actually view customer behavior on other channels. So yeah. let's say they're a customer of yours for anything cameras shoes cranes and you know you notice that they they might be visiting competitor websites that's data that's available to you and in an anonymized fashion that you can leverage and proactively reach out to them and say hey there's something you're not satisfied with so there's lots of signals you can catch on to in a digital environment that maybe without those signals in a real environment body language or Know looks across the room, or you know somebody doesn't show up to a meeting. There's a lot of signals that come across in a digital environment that you can capture and and leverage to to your advantage.
1: Let's uh, talk a little bit about AI. It's all the rage. How can AI help the sales process?
2: In so many ways, if it used correctly. First of all, again, we have mountains and mountains of data about our customers, about the products they own, about the contracts we have with them, and AI loves data. The the more data you feed it, the better the machines and the algorithms work at at predictive models. But if you have bad disconnected data, no amount of AI, let's say, or machines will actually make that data better. The great thing about AI, first of all, for a sales process is that it can remove the burden of data entry. It can actually pull in data from across the enterprise and not have to have you as a sales rep or a manager fill out things that you already know, like contact information or information about the company. AI can flag stale data or data that needs to be removed or, or cleaned up. It can automate time-consuming things like administrative tasks and autocorrect errors. It can deliver curated, more personal experiences to give reps guidance on how to close a deal based on historical trends in the past uh, that may have worked. And finally, it can help... Sellers really navigate complex deals by maybe, let's say, using historical deal data to give them a, a good starting point for a quote or a proposal that they put in front of a customer that might be better than what they would necessarily come up with on their own without that that background and that historical data. So in short, AI and ML, if you feed it, the, the high-quality data can do mountains of good for uh, your sales process, for sure.
1: <laughs> without question. Hey, let's take another quick break, and we'll be right back after this
0: message. C-Suite Radio.
1: Hey, folks, we are back. We're live casting right here on Facebook and LinkedIn as I bring you all business with Jeffrey Hazit right here on C-Suite Radio. I'm talking with an executive, a vice president of product strategy and sales portfolio for Oracle Advertising and Customer Experience, Katrina Gosick, and we're talking about all things sales and how things have changed so much after we've become more digital. And speaking of becoming more digital, how has the switch to being all digital all the time changed the way folks in the C-suite manage their teams and processes?
2: Yeah, well, we're seeing the rise of a lot of multifunction C-suite executives. The one that I work with most often is the chief revenue officer. It's more than just a glorified sales executive. They're actually dealing with a multi-experience funnel. So they oversee marketing, they oversee sales and also sales operations and finance and human relations. So in a digital first environment, these are the people we're talking to about how to leverage the data across all of those departments, how to combine processes among all the company's primary revenue streams. So all those key functions are talking to one another and serving the customer well. That's really, I guess, What's changed in the C suite is that because we can connect data digitally across all these different touch points, you're seeing, you know, CMOs have more visibility into the sales funnel and how they impact mm-hmm. it. You're seeing CIOs sit across every single technology function um, and have direct input on marketing and sales strategy. You're seeing the CFO even come back around to marketing and to customer success. So. I think digital has enabled that because you can share a lot more visibility across these functions uh, if done correctly.
1: You know, we used to see a lot more siloed systems in the tech stack. Are we seeing a different tech stack these days where it's multifunctional, multi-brand, multi-use?
2: Absolutely, yeah. You're seeing businesses want to cut across all of these customer experience departments. So you're seeing a lot more not integration of sales and marketing technology, but unification. So unifying data and business flows because you don't want these people operating like they're completely different functions, right? You want marketing people to know what sales people are doing. You want sales people leveraging what marketing people do. You want service people um, influencing customer success. So the tech stack is definitely changing. Uh, we're seeing vendors such as Oracle, you know, talk about unifying data and business flows between these departments versus just integrating these siloed functions. The business needs are definitely driving that uh, on the technology vendor side. Absolutely.
1: We're buying so much more online. How has customer expectations changed?
2: People are so impatient. (laughs) You lose them in an instant, right? Right. Yeah, so so if you don't please as a retailer or if as a as a B two B company, if you're not giving customers the information they're looking for in the first couple of clicks, they're probably gone. So yeah. you know, digital is so important these days because I think the level of patience is thin because there are a lot of great experiences out there, and when you encounter a bad one, you're just going to go look for a better one somewhere else. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, I. Yeah, I think about my experiences the same way, and I'm I'm like I get very frustrated. I can't find something very quickly, right? And if I can't find that, whether it's a product spec, the uh, dimensions, whatever it is, I'm like I'm out of here. I'm like I'm gone real quick. Absolutely. The other thing that with Monica, oh I can't remember Monica's last name, but she was an executive at at uh, at, at Office Depot years ago, and she taught me something about digital. She says, Jeff, it doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be fast. It has to be useful. Are you still seeing that trend where we don't have to have all the gorgeous websites that load and take a long time? And now it's a little bit more about getting right to the point?
2: I think so. I think it goes back to that patience. Like people, honestly, you know, a lot of the shopping experiences I do, like to be honest, on Amazon, it's so fast. It gets me what I need immediately, but it's not like a a luxury retailer site with all beautiful imagery and gorgeous videos, but that's not what I'm there for. I'm there to quickly get the product I need in and out, read some reviews, read some tech specs. So yeah, I don't think it has to be gorgeous, but it has to get the customer what they want quickly. So I What's would agree with, about, with her.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, And, and you know, and, and we also like predictability where they recognize certain things. I always say it's very much like the experience when I go into my local <laughs> pub. Not that I like to drink a lot, but he like he knows what or he or she that's serving me knows what I like to drink and literally before I sit down, they see me coming the door within seconds afterwards. there's my scotch sitting in front of me because they know that's what I will like, and they take care of me, and that's the way I think a customer experience really is. How can you provide a memorable customer experience in a virtual environment
2: I think you have to take that same approach that you just mentioned. You have to know that customer and who they are when they're coming to you. So let's say I'm shopping for a really extraordinary purchase online. You know, And I go to a a luxury retailer site. I, I want to feel like it's a special thing. I want to see videos. I want to see celebrities using it. I want to have beautiful imagery. But that's not what I'm doing when I'm on a an Amazon site. I'm there. It's purely transactional. I want to get in. I want to get out fast. And it's two different experiences for two different needs. So in a sea of sameness, I think you really have to focus on who is your customer. What kind of interaction do they want with you? Do they want to sit down at the bar and have that perfect scotch poured for them, or you know, do they just want a quick vodka and coke and, <laughs> and you know, move on to the next thing? You know, what I mean, so it's it's really knowing what what your customer wants and serving it up in the way that they want it.
1: Well, I tell you what, some good insight today right here in All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. And thank you, Katrina and Oracle, for doing all that you guys are doing to bring America back the way we need to get it back in terms of getting business back in America and around the world for that matter, because we are certainly global players. Katrina, thanks for having you on the show today.
2: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: At the end of every show, I like to talk about what did I learn? I tell you what I learned about again Hey, you've got to be able to grab people's attention, but you got to keep it. So you got to give them the experience. And I'm telling you, content is one of the ways that you are going to get customers interested in your product and get them to dive down deep about who you are and what you are and how great you are. So use that content, you know, that brand of you, sell yourself, you know, sell you, sell the company, sell the company, sell you. That's what it's about. And that's what I was reminded about from today's interview right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget, tell your friends and I hope to hear you back or see you back very soon.